0: Learn more at Marines.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to a special Saturday edition of the Turn on the Jets podcast. I'm your host, Joe Caparoso, owner of TurnOnTheJets.com. Wanted to crank out a quick Saturday mailbag and preview for Jets Dolphins. Uh, did this real quick. No intro music. We'll be back with our normal uh, intro music. Didn't want to bother the uh, audio team on the uh, weekend. Uh, quick... Uh, Site P.S.A., as I've alluded to a few times on Twitter, my uh, wife is very, very pregnant and about to give birth to our son. So exciting news there. Uh, Very good chance I will not be on Twitter uh, for Jets Dolphins tomorrow and I'll be out of commission for a few days, tending to more important matters. However, we will still have a podcast on this feed before Jets Browns uh, will be guest hosted. Uh, by Dan Eason and Greg Armstrong, so make sure you stay uh, subscribed and stay up on the feed. We'll have an episode out uh, with reaction to Jets-Dolphins and previewing Jets-Browns. I will be back uh, in the mix uh, with a podcast probably the same time next week talking about Jets-Browns, some some other thoughts on Jets-Dolphins since I won't have a podcast uh, after that game before the next one, and then be back in my normal rhythm uh, with podcasts every Thursday. Uh, We'll also have uh, my normal articles, my initial reaction, uh, gift dump, all that good stuff. will be backfilled by other authors for the few days I'm at a commission this week. So if you don't see me tweeting frantically like a maniac during Jets Dolphins, it likely means that my wife is in the middle of giving birth and I will watch the game on Game Pass or DVR or whatever other way I could find a way to wrangle it up in the hospital. That being said, uh, before we d- jump into the questions and some thoughts on Jets Dolphins, two two quick reminders. Uh, September 30th, Willie McBride's check out come by for our watch party and live podcast. We had a great time with the Jets Giants game in the preseason. myself, Connor Rogers, Clayton Smarslock, Greg Armstrong, and a few others will be there. Just be hanging out in the back room watching Jets Jags and doing a live uh, post game podcast after. Also, or if, you, if you are going to the game in Florida, make sure to go to gtepresents.com for tickets for the best pregame tailgate party out there. Uh, they're going to have an open bar. Uh, they're going to have food. They're going to have memorabilia giveaways. Fireman Ed will be in attendance along with a few other celebrities. So that's gtepresents.com and click on the Jets Jaguars game for more information uh, on that event. So two different events if you're going to Jacksonville for Jets Jags. Or if you're going to be here in the New Jersey area, there's something for you to do either way. All right, first question from Mike Curcio. Hi, Joe. What do you think our ceiling is for the Jets now? Prior to the season, I picked the Jets to go 7-9. and nine. Uh, I did have them covering against Detroit, not winning by 31. Uh, so I think the fact that they won and they won the way they did, I think it's fair to say – okay, they got one I didn't necessarily expect them to get. Maybe this is an 8-8, eight and 9-7 eight, and seven team instead. I think we'll learn a lot more this week because if they beat Miami, which I think is a very winnable game at home against a middle-of-the-road opponent, there's not really a reason to think that they can't be 3-0 and considering they have Cleveland on Thursday. And with that kind of start, the expectations change. So the NFL season's a very fluid thing. You win a couple of games you don't necessarily expect to. You get off to a fast start. Expectations change. And as we've said all preseason. The AFC is weak, and you know, we said there was a ceiling for this team uh, to get in kind of similar to how Buffalo did last year, although I think they'll be a better overall team than the Bills were last year, uh, and find a way to sneak into a wild card spot. So I, th- I think that's on the table, but we're going to learn a lot more about this team on a short week and how they handle success in an important game against a divisional opponent this week. Uh, next question. Uh, from Mr. Miller, would you sign McCown to an extension? I need to see how the rest of the year goes. I think it's more likely he's just going to add, be added to the coaching staff and they could use that salary cap money elsewhere. I don't know for a long-term backup whether they think Davis Webb could be that guy who's now in the practice squad or they're going to look to draft someone in the middle of the late rounds next year. Uh, I would anticipate at 40 years old, McCown's probably going to be looking into retiring. That doesn't mean that the Jets are not going to keep him around the organization in some capacity because he's clearly developed a strong relationship with both Sam Darnold and his family uh, and is an important part overall of the organization. So he'll be around in some way next year. I just don't know whether it's going to be as a coach or a player. If he does come back as a player, uh, I think it will be on a lesser contract than $10 million since I don't anticipate him playing at all this year, God willing. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out. The Jets do need to figure out long-term who their backup is going to be for Sam Darnold. Next question from, let's see here, from Daniel. Is this a big week for Brandon Shell to show some consistency? Uh, Brandon Shell has had a couple of really encouraging stretches in his short career. The problem has been is that he's gotten banged up and then he's dropped a dud in uh, here or there. I think he had a really nice stretch to finish 2016. I think he was a little disappointing last year because he was inconsistent. He was hurt. He had a good first game. And I think Miami has a you know a decent front seven, so this will be a good test for him. And if Shell is going to be an above-average starter, that changes the ceiling overall for this unit. That That is one of Mike McCadden's best, if not his best, uh, late-round find with Shell, a guy they moved up to get a few years ago in the draft. And if he could stabilize as an above-average right tackle – the Jets' offensive line is going to be in better shape than most people expected it to be. And I still think regardless, even if he's just average, I think it's still going to be a better overall offensive line than most people expected it to be. Next question from Raz: Does Darren Lee come back to earth this week or was last week his breakout and he finally gets it? It's hard to say, right? We got to see a bigger sample size. Last week was really exciting for Darren Lee. Had his first two career interceptions, had a defensive touchdown. More importantly, did a good job breaking up a couple screens and looked more comfortable playing the part of a traditional inside linebacker. Now it's about consistency and sustaining it. I think the Jets completely coached circles around Detroit, particularly on the defensive side of the ball. They seemed to actually have a jump on what was coming and took advantage of that. For Lee, it's about building consistency. Now I think that game was great. You can't take that away from him. He was probably their best overall player on the field. And now can he do it week after week after week? And if he can... Similar to Shell on the offensive line, the ceiling for this defense gets, defense gets substantially higher. So, look, I, I've been skeptical about Darren Lee. He did not play very well over the first two years of his career or this preseason, but against Detroit, he was great. So, let's hope he could build on that and help take that Jets' second, uh, the second level of the Jets' defense to a higher level. Da-da-da. From Raul Vasquez. Who is the most important player on the Fins to stop? Will we have a hard time stopping them, or will our defense keep up the momentum? Uh, Miami has sort of an interesting offense. they got this mix of old veterans they've signed and some younger players that are stepping into bigger roles. Guys like Jakeem Grant and Kenyon Drake, and then on the veteran side, Frank Gore and Danny Amendola. Kenny Stills had a huge game last week uh, down the field with two touchdowns, including one that basically iced the game. I, I'm going to guess that The Jets are going to scheme and do what they can to take away stills over the top and make some other players beat them. I don't think, you know, there's definitely going to be a situation where I think Grant and Amendola are going to be able to do some work underneath and move the chains. But I think it's a matter of bending and not breaking. Miami's running game really does not scare me all that much. Uh, You know, I know Gore has been playing for an eternity, but I just don't think there's a ton of explosiveness left between him and Drake. I think the Jets will contain it there. And really put the game in Ryan Tannehill's hands. And that's why I think they have a good chance to move to 2 and 0. I think divisional games are generally close, but the Jets have played well and coached well against Ryan Tannehill with this regime, the few times they've got to match up against them. Uh, so I, I like their chances. And I think it's you, you take away those big plays with Kenny Stills, make Miami work the ball up and down the field, blitz Tannehill, make him uncomfortable, and see if you could force a few more turnovers. Let's see. Uh,. Next question from Joey Shadell. Real story from Week One was the Jets defense, special teams. They'll need to be top ten for playoff consideration. Do you think they're legit or was it fool's goals from an overrated Lions team? I'll incorporate a little on the special teams on this answer too. Look, I think with the Lions, we don't know. It could very well turn out to be that the Lions are like a three and thirteen team this year, and Matt Patricia is just a train wreck, uh, or maybe they're the eight and eight, nine and seven team that most people thought they were, and that win was that impressive. I think regardless of how the Lions turn out, it was an impressive win. It was a road win with a rookie quarterback. Uh, I don't know if the Jets defense is going to have five interceptions every week, and they don't need to, right? They need to go out and prevent big plays, force occasional turnovers, and hopefully score another defensive touchdown or two, and they're going to be fine. From a special team standpoint, Andre Roberts uh, was terrific. He had three big returns, not just a huge touchdown. Uh, And there's no reason to think he won't stabilize punt return. It's one of the reasons I was banging on the table to keep him on the roster all spring and all summer. And I just never got while people were laughing or questioning why you would keep him around. He's been a good returner in the NFL for a while. He's had a few return touchdowns for the Lions and for the Falcons over the past few seasons. Uh, He's probably the best Jets returner since they've had Joe McKnight or Brad Smith. So they have that position stabilized, which is good. I think it's a bigger question mark if a guy like Jason Myers can stay consistent and the coverage overall can stay consistent. So we'll see how that plays out. They're not going to score 48 points every week. They're not going to score defensive and special teams touchdown every week. But if they can be steady in those areas, there's no reason to think this team can't win 9 or 10 games. Now it's just a matter of being consistent. Um question i got uh a little later in the day today which i think was interesting to answer and we're you know we're one game in so it's like funny to even try to answer it at this point the gist of it was basically if every team in the nfl called you up offering their starting quarterback straight up for sam darnham who are the teams you would say yes to so i said the only you know this is off the top of my head and bearing in mind we're one week into the nfl season off the top of my head I'd say yes to the Packers. Aaron Rodgers is not a human, as we saw last week, and he still has enough prime years left where I think you would have to make that move. Uh, I said probably about Seattle. I think you'd have to think really hard about Russell Wilson, who's already won a Super Bowl, still in his prime, and is still producing despite a less than optimal situation. And then after that, I said maybe uh, to the Chiefs with Patrick Mahomes, who I think is a stud, who I loved pre-draft last year. I think he's going to be really good. And then some of the other guys that maybe you think about but ultimately say no to. Wentz and Watson because of their injury concerns uh, and their age and how much older they are already than Darnold. I'm not going to act like I didn't like Baker Mayfield and Josh Rosen pre-draft. I pretty much said the two of them and Sam Darnold were interchangeable as a top quarterback in the class. I did ultimately uh, give Baker and Rosen a slight nudge over Darnold, and I do still think both of those guys are going to be really good NFL quarterbacks, but we haven't seen them play yet. So based on the you know the data that we have to date, you wouldn't you wouldn't flip those guys. Uh, a couple other people had mentioned Goff. I'm not quite as high on Goff as some I think he's going to be a good or is a good NFL starter. I just don't think the ceiling is as high as guys like Mahomes and even Darnold and some of these other young quarterbacks who haven't played as much yet. So, an interesting question, and we'll see how that uh, you know plays out over the course of the year. I, I think Jet fans have every reason to be more than excited about Sam Darnold right now, and I think what the one thing that he really has going for him is he's 21. You know Baker Mayfield's 24, Carson Wentz 25. These guys are already have three, four years on him, and he's just so young on that rookie contract. It's basically the best situation you could ask for. A couple more questions, and then we'll wrap it up. Uh, I got a bunch of questions about Marcus May. I think Marcus May is a little more banged up than the team has let on. He just has not practiced a lot and barely played in the preseason. I don't think he's he's not going to play against Miami. I don't think he's going to play against Cleveland. I think the most realistic time to expect him back is probably against Jacksonville or even the week after against Denver. So it stinks he might end up missing a fourth or a third of the season. I think the Jets don't want to rush him back because they feel good about Doug Middleton holding the fort. And I think Middleton was fine against Detroit. You know, he wasn't, you know, amazing, but he held the fort, and that's what they need him to do. So I don't think they're going to rush May back uh at this point, but I definitely wouldn't expect to see him over the course of the next two games. Let's see here. Uh, question from Jay Ross, past distribution, do you think more calls will be geared towards Anua, or we'll see more changes from last week? I wrote about this a little bit in my film breakdown for the week, and I, I don't want to overreact too much to one game, but generally in an offense uh, where you have two starting receivers who are out there, the majority of the reps, and they're pretty close in ability as they are with Anua and Anderson, there's going to be one guy who's going to be a bit more of a target hog. Hug, and there's going to be another guy who's going to spend a little more time uh, has a decoy clearing space out in the underneath passing game for that guy. And I think just based on his overall versatility and what we saw about how Bates used him, trying to set up multiple screens for him, having him in motion, using him as a blocker, it feels like Inouye is going to be the guy who gets six to ten targets every week. While Anderson might have a couple weeks like that, I think he's going to get less overall volume. And they're going to use this speed and the attention that his speed gets to clear out space underneath for Anua, Pryor, Curse, Sterling, Powell in the passing game. So Anderson is still going to have his big plays down the field against Detroit. But I don't doubt that that's the last game we're going to see from Robbie Anderson where he has one to three targets. But one to three of those targets is a 40-plus yard touchdown, and and that's fine. Anua is probably going to be the guy every week who has five, six, seven catches, but only for 50, 60, or 70 yards. we are going to use him in the shorter passing game. So based on what we saw week one, I would bet on Anua having 15 to 20 to 25 even more catches than Anderson this year but having actually a comparable amount of yards. So if you got a PPR league going, I would feel better about having a new wad than Anderson. I think in a normal league without PPR, uh, it's pretty close, but it's going to really depend on who gets more red zone targets, and both of them had a touchdown in week one. So a good problem to have uh, to have that talent at receiver and see how the targets are divided up. Uh, next question, Sam Darnold stat line tomorrow. I, every Friday, If you're new to the site, write a 12-pack where I do 12 predictions for the upcoming game, which will include a score prediction and specific uh, player predictions. Uh, Off the top of my head, I I still have Darnold up somewhere in the mid-200s in the passing yards. I think it's actually, I'm sorry, the low 200s. I have him at about somewhere around 220, 225. I think his yard per attempt will drop a little bit. It's unrealistic to expect him to be over 9 every single week, so maybe he's more in the 7.5 range. I don't think he's going to have any turnovers this week. I think he'll protect the ball. I also you know, think he'll probably have one to two touchdowns uh, and hopefully avoid uh, getting sacked all that much. Maybe he gets dropped once or twice. So I think another good steady game. I don't know if he's going to throw for 400 yards and four touchdowns like some fans are anticipating. But I think in the mid-200s uh, with a touchdown or two and no turnovers, and the Jets will have a really good chance to beat Miami and move to 2-0. and Let's see here. We'll do two more questions and then we'll wrap it up. Uh, a lot of questions about uh, Fireman Ed coming back. As I tweeted, there's a lot of things to talk about this team related to football. Fireman Ed wants to come back and lead Jet Chance. That's great. We want we want a good, loud home environment. I don't have a, a strong, scalding hot take about the overall circumstance. If, they, if it's loud at the home games, I'm happy. And if this helps it be that loud at the home games, then then great. So hopefully we'll have a good... I'm sure there'll be a very good turnout for this game. And it's crazy watching the Jets' uh, ticket prices spike already so much in the secondary market. I'm definitely planning to get out there for a game or two in October or November. I, you know, I try to, at this point, go to at least a couple of games a year, although it's easier to kind of cover it in the way I do when I'm back home. Plus, I'll also have... Uh, a brand-new baby at home, so it'll be a little more challenging in other years. But I, I expect to get out there in October, and I expect to see the crowd being completely raucous tomorrow in a game that I think the Jets have a really good chance to win. Um, last question. Let's see. From Ryan from L.I. If we lose tomorrow, the main reason will be – I think it will be you know some of the stuff that we were concerned about in the preseason, right? The pass rush doesn't get to Ryan Tannehill, and they make a few plays in the passing game. Maybe Darnold has a turnover or two that the Jets aren't able to overcome and they lose the overall turnover and special teams battle. Miami had it was a weird game, but they, you know, they won their week one game against Tennessee, a team who was a playoff team last year, who had a new coach and had playoff expectations coming into this year. So credit to them, you know, for handling business in their own building. I think, you know, prior to the year I saw Miami has, you know, kind of similar to the Jets, somewhere in that seven and nine ish, eight and eight range. Uh, but you know, for the Jets, if they consider themselves a wild card contender, this is the kind of game you need to win. You need to win conference games. You need to win divisional games, and particularly you need to win your home divisional games uh, when you're not playing New England. The Jets need to take advantage of being in the AFC East. In that, when they get Buffalo twice, you got to win those games. And when you get Miami, you need to at least get a split with them, if not sweep them, and especially take care of business in your home game. So all wins are good. Uh, conference wins are better than NFC wins, and division wins are as good as it gets. So the Jets, you know, funny enough, you know, it's early in the year, they win this game. Uh, they're going to be positioned really well to go 3-0 and because you're playing Cleveland. Now, yes, it's in a short week, and yes, you're playing Cleveland on the road, but Cleveland's Cleveland, right? They haven't won a game in an eternity. Uh, so this is a game that, you know, the Jets are only two-and-a-half-point favorites. Last I saw, they're not even getting the full three points at home yet, so Vegas not... Not fully sold on the Jets yet and maybe wondering if week one was an aberration. But I think this is a game I would have gave the Jets the full three points on. And I do think they are going to cover a two and a half and win. A tight game. Uh, I think the final I had out was 24-21. I think you'll get something in that range. I think they'll start fast. I think Miami will hang around a little bit. I think the Jets will make be able to make enough plays down the stretch to win. And you know, it will be very interesting to see where the expectation levels are at with them right back on primetime a few days later. Um, all right. We're going to wrap it up there. appreciate everybody listening and following the site. We will have all of our normal coverage up and through the game and up into the Cleveland game next week. Uh, Again, stay on this podcast. We will have a new episode live probably Monday, uh, guest hosted by uh, Greg and Dan, as I mentioned at the top. And I will be back uh, to my regular routine right after the Browns game with reaction to that. I'll drop in some Twitter thoughts probably a little later on Jets Dolphins since I very likely won't be watching the game in real time. I'll probably be watching a recording of it or watching it on my laptop. So stay with me, and uh, let's get a win tomorrow.